You're listening to a message from Victory. In view of God's mercy, let us live out the gospel by loving God and others. Join us as we continue the book of Romans in our series, The Gospel Expressed. Uh, we are on week 19 of our Romans uh, series. This has been an amazing series, a blessing to get to know and understand that the gospel is not just being forgiven of our sin and getting freedom from sin, but so much more of the life and the power and the grace of God that covers our lives, that empowers us to fulfill God's call in our lives. So let's read our text this morning, Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 9. It says, love, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord, we pray this morning that you would be with us. Lord, that you would uh, cause the fruit of your grace to come out of our lives. Lord, that you would cause, that you would, uh, cause your life to bear fruit in our lives, Lord God. That the blessing, the, the grace, the favor... Uh, that you have uh, caused us to experience will flow through us and touch others, that they, in turn, may experience your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember many years ago, I had a disagreement with a friend. It was a difficult, uncomfortable, and even painful situation. Uh, we had been good friends for a long time. We have done many things for each other. We have blessed each other and our families multiple times. Uh, we have also helped each other in many different ways. But what made this conflict really difficult, at one time while we were working on it, uh, uh, this friend of mine made a statement, in a sense a statement that said, after all I've done and given you, can't you even do this? That statement changed, in a sense, the context of the friendship. 
Now, I want to tell you that we are reconciled today, we are friends today, and we still see each other every so often and get in touch with it, each other and each other's family every so often. But that statement at that point in time put, brought into question the motives of the many things he did for my family and for myself. It put into question many of the favors, the blessings, and the service he gave to us. I wonder how many of us have experienced the same situation. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to really be accurate about someone's motive. But I, I think the scripture is not challenging us to find out what somebody's motive is. But I think the scripture is challenging us to look at our own motives and to cause us to, to be sure of why and the reason behind why we do things. It is not our responsibility to make sure someone's motives are right. That's their responsibility between them and God. But it is our responsibility to make sure our motives are lined up with what God desires and what God is doing in our lives. So we go back to our text. It's very interesting that our text gives us 30 commands in 12 verses. Now think about that, 30 command, commands in 12 verses. When I read it, I actually run out of breath. It's almost one after the other, non-stop. Now think about it, that's only 12 verses, you get 10, uh, 10, uh, 30 commands. What about the rest of Romans? What about the rest of the New Testament? What about the rest of the Old Testament? How do you remember all of this? How do you make sure you won't fail? How do you make sure you won't blow it, you won't destroy it? Friends, we must not forget that this is not a set of rules that just got placed in the middle of this book. The gospel we have been looking at for the last 11 chapters has been building towards this. So this is not a checklist that we use so that we can monitor our lives. Can you imagine going through a checklist whether you're living right or not every day? You might run out of time doing anything else. You may never get to do anything else if you think about it. Rather, I would say this is a description of the fruit of the work of God in our lives. It also shows us a picture of the challenges we will face as we live out this new life that Jesus has allowed us to live and experience. So as we look at this, let us jump off from the context of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by mercies of God, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you. He's asking them to do something. He's pointing them towards God's will. He's pointing them to a certain way of life in a certain direction. He says, by, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. The past few chapters have been a revelation, an expose, and a presentation, a lesson on the mercies of God. Think about, think about all the things we've learned and seen the last few weeks as we've gone through the book of Romans. 
Think about the gospel, realizing that the gospel is the mercy of God. Think of all the mercies of God, the justification from guilt and the penalty of sin. The forgiveness and freedom from sin. Adoption in Jesus and identification with Christ. We once we were enemies of God, but in Christ we have become children of God. Now it's very difficult to think that a former enemy can be your friend. Think about a former enemy being adopted to be a child of the family that he attacked and he tried to destroy. That is a miracle. That is the mercy of God. You and I have been adopted to his family. Think about a life under the grace of God rather than the law of man. The grace that's unlimited in the law that's always right and it's never wrong, no matter what your circumstance and your situation is. Think about a life, the mercies of God, talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're not only forgiven of sin, we have been given the power to overcome sin. That's why life gets transformed, not by self-will, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The mercies of God, nothing can change or separate us from the love of God. Wow. I remember somebody telling us many years ago, there's nothing I can't do and nothing I can do to make God love me more. Because God loves me so much the way I am. Yet He's come because He loves us so much to transform us. Think about the confidence to face a blessed future. Think about the confidence in God's never failing faithfulness. Oh, remember the scripture that says, though we are unfaithful, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. The mercy of God. Amazing blessings we cannot work for. Amazing blessings we do not deserve. Amazing blessings that were simply God gladly given. He says, I beseech you, I appeal to you in view of God's mercy, looking at all of this goodness that God has bestowed on us and given us. He said, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A life offered to Christ, a life that will live for Christ, and a life for Christ. Now that is our context as we look into the next verses that we read earlier. Again, that's the context we want to take as we look at these 30 commands in 12 verses. What about the rest of the scripture? To help us understand and embrace this life, without having to go through a checklist to do, or a to-do list for Christian living. Let us look at four appeals that we need to internalize. The first one, the appeal is love God. Love God. Paul says, let love be genuine. The word for love here is the word agape, which is divine love, unconditional love. 
That is the love that we have been looking at for the last 11 chapters. That's, that's the love that, 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 that we experience. That's the love that shows us the mercies of God. That is the love that caused God to pay for the penalty of our sin. So we might experience the forgiveness of sin. That is the love that took our broken life. That we might have a purposeful life instead. Let love be genuine. The same love that God poured on us is the same love the scripture is encouraging us to walk out with and give to others. Verse John chapter 4, verse 19. How is this possible? Because 1 John says this, we love because he first loved us. We can love like God, in a sense, because God loved us first. Genuine love is the fruit of receiving God's unconditional love and letting that same love flow out of us to touch others. The love of God in us and through us. The uncon unconditional, relentless, transforming, empowering love of God let the love, I, I want to encourage you, let the love of God continue to change us so that His divine love may be genuinely expressed through us. I love that the scripture says, outdo one another in showing honor. Wow, when I think about that in the context of God's love, I, say, I realize that's exactly how God loves us. He, out, he has outdone anything we can ever do to love Him back. In fact, He poured out His love to us before we could respond with the love of God. The love of God does above what we can ask or imagine. Now, it does not mean that as we walk out with the love of God and share it with others, that it will be perfect love because only God is perfect. Only God is uncon unconditional all the time. But it is a love without any other agenda except the love of God for others. It is a love without hypocrisy. It is a love that may stumble and fail, but real Always. Let love be genuine. Second appeal, serve God. Serve God. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal. <clears throat> be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is a life that is focused on and given to God. Just like we said that our context is a life offered to God as a living sacrifice. In the midst of trials and persecution and impossibilities, we are passionately and fervently pursuing God. The fruit of pursuing service to God is serving others. Just like love, when God's love fills us, His love can then 
flow through us as we serve God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. There's no other direction to go but to serve others as well. Because when you serve God, you end up serving what His heart is concerned for. There's a life focused on God and focused on others. Contribute to the needs of the saints. It's a life that's focused on God and the needs of others, not just self. We live in a world that's so self-aware, so self-focused. It's all about me. And many times the message is, let me secure myself first before I can do anything else for others. The problem with that, there's always, there's always a greater need. When you talk about security, see being secure at this point can make you secure at this point, but you'll need another, a greater a point of security, and it never ends. Yet the scripture is clear that when you serve God, at some point, the focus on God will start seeing others and the needs of others. It's also amazing how God, as we serve others, provides for us as well. Just imagine a world where everybody is not, is not focused on themselves, but everybody is focused on each other. When we focus on God, and when we focus on others, and that begins to grow, there will be no need to focus on ourselves. Serve God. The love of God in us will influence and transform the way we see others. Third appeal, bless God. Bless God. Verse 14 says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I kept reading this and reading it. Because when you think about it, it sounds nice, but it sounds very difficult. I wonder how many or any, if there's any one of us that our immediate reaction to somebody attacking us, somebody persecuting us, something, somebody doing something evil to us, our first reaction would be, oh, I just want to bless you. Or would our reaction be to protect ourselves and attack and make sure they don't do it again? Blessing others or blessing, blessing those who attack us is the furthest thing from our mind, I'm sure, in the midst of that trial. In fact, sometimes we make fun of it. Let me pray for those that persecute me. And sometimes the prayer we, we joke around is a prayer that, Lord, I know you love them. Why don't you just take them to be with you? But the scripture here says, bless them. Again, as we talk about blessing those who curse us, let me bring us back to the context again. And the context is a life that has seen the mercies of God. A life that deserves the curse of God, but instead got the blessings of God. A life that's offered to God. And then now God can take 
and use. A life that's not static, but a life that's a living sacrifice. You know, when you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of sacrifices, dead sacrifices, as an offering, as a gift. But now we, we see in Romans 12, the challenge God is giving us is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So in other words, when we offer ourselves, we offer ourselves to what God wants to do. We offer ourselves to the will of God. That is why I put it as we bless God first. Our greatest desire is to bless God. Then we can bless those who are against us. I realize also blessing others is one of the things we can do that actually leads to the blessing, the worship, and the honor of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, remember this verse? Verse 13 says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. The Apostle Paul is talking about people who are receiving your blessings, receiving their blessings. And because they have been, been in great need when they received the blessings, one of their initial, immediate reactions was to look to heaven and thank God for God's provision. When we bless others, it is not only us who worship God, but we actually can do something that will cause others to worship God. Powerful, the power of being a blessing. When you are a blessing, when you allow God to use you to bless others with your words, with your service, with your time, with your prayer, and even with your resources, you actually connect God to others. You actually connect God to the needy. And when their prayers are answered, praises and worship rise to God. The Apostle Paul says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. What an indescribable gift. Why? Because we who were needy, we who were wicked, we who were useless, we who were broken, because of the gospel, because of the mercies of God, have been made whole today, we are no longer broken, but a channel of God's blessing. Today we are no longer useless but useful to God to reach others. What an indescribable gift to be used by God and to see others praise God because of the way God used us. What an honor. What a privilege. Let God's blessing flow out of us to bless others as well. The last appeal, trust God. Trust God. Verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We have seen the last weeks or the last 
few uh, 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 chapters as, been, as we've been looking at the gospel of Christ, the grace of God, the blessings of God, we realize that the best response or the only possible response to the grace of God is to put our trust in God. Through the years, I have learned to trust God in the best of times and the most difficult times. We've heard it time and time again, especially during this season where we're, in, where we're in. People keep encouraging us, trust God. You may be in a difficult situation, trust God. God has a plan. God is in charge. God has and will always be faithful. But here we see a slight difference in the call to trust God. Here we are encouraged to put a difficult, painful injustice done to us on God. So here we are with our pain. Here we are going through injustice. And the scripture is telling us not just to trust God, but to take that pain, to take that sense of injustice to take your desire for justice and entrust it to God. Not just trust and wait, but give it to the Lord and entrust that it is God who will do something about it, not us. When you read the scripture, you realize that the persecuted had the power the chance and the intention to make matters or to take matters into their own hands. But God or the scripture instead says, trust me and trust it to me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Scripture again, let me read it again. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God's promise is, I will, and I am doing something about it. God is saying, I know it. I know why and when and what to do. I could imagine the pain and the struggle Sometimes it could be too painful to just let go and not do anything about it, especially when you have the strength and the power to do something about it. Yet the scripture encourages us. In view of God's mercy, in view of God's goodness to us, in view of our own injustice towards God, yet God has forgiven us in view of His mercies, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, to offer that pain, to offer that injustice to God and entrust it to Him so that we might see His hand take care of it. We're encouraged to trust and entrust. As we close, I want to repeat the appeal. I appeal to you. I beseech you. Love God. 
that you may love others. Serve God that you may serve others. Bless God that you may be a blessing to others. And lastly, trust and entrust everything to God. The life that is offered to God will bear the fruit of God's life in our world. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for your people. Lord, the people that you have worked things in their lives, the people that have been transformed by the power of your grace, the people that have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you would continue the work you began in our hearts. Finish it, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord God. Change our minds, Lord. Change our life. Let Jesus be the image that is seen through us. Lord, we pray that you would bring us to a place where we will love you and love others. Where we will serve you and serve others. Where we will bless you and bless others. Where we will trust and entrust everything to you. I want to pray for some people here. As you have been listening, if you realize there are some things that we need to entrust to God, not just to trust and wait for it to change, but to actually let go of the pain, to let go of the anger, let go of the sense of injustice, let go of the desire for payback, and put it and give it to God, that God might take it and work out His purpose and will for our lives. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Just pray with me, Lord Jesus, thank you that I have been a recipient of your mercies. Though my rebellion was great, you have forgiven me. Though my life was broken, you have taken it up and fixed it. Lord, though there was, Lord, though there was injustice that I have done for others, you have forgiven me and restored me. So I come to you right now with this pain in my heart. This, this goat. Tell the Lord what that is right now. That injustice. That pain. That anger. Lord, I put this pain and this anger on you right now. And I, and I entrust it to you. That you would bring healing to my heart. That you would bring healing to this situation that your purpose and will shall be established in me, my family, and even the other party. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Let us serve God with all of our heart.